So you want to know the ins and outs of managing your money. Well, lucky for you, you're just in time for another episode of Master Your Finances with certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker. Kurt and his panel of experts are here for you and will cover topics from a legal and personal standpoint. They'll discuss tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Ryder University. Now, let's learn how we can better change our habits with Kurt Baker. Do you want to learn how you can assist veterans? Do you want a list of organizations that aid veterans? Jeremy Deck is a retired U.S. Army veteran who has used his leadership, communication, and team building abilities in a variety of settings. With his military experience, as the food service director for the United States Military Academy, he will share his knowledge of the resources available to veterans as well as volunteer opportunities to assist veterans. He will fill you with joy and pride as you give back to and assist veterans. Man, this is, you know, Jeremy, just awesome what you're doing. Uh, I know you're a very successful guy and all, but I mean, all that you're doing for the veterans, and I think over the decades, I mean, I was born in the 60s, Veterans have been like not necessarily always like upheld the way they probably should be because they're they're put in really rough situations, um, and I know we lose. I think it's something like eleven or so a day. I believe it is right now um, uh, because of the PTSD and all the issues that they have to deal with coming back from these experiences. That let's just say most of us would not want to endure, and it's a rough time. But um, but the fact that we as I think as a society have really come around, where I think most of us are like, hey. We need, we need to help these people. I mean, they go out there and they, they basically protect the country. They keep us uh, here and they allow us to enjoy. They provide that umbrella that allows us to enjoy all those privileges and things that we enjoy every single day. And a lot of times we tend to forget it sometimes, right? So uh, um, so anyway, I want to just, first of all, I just want to thank you for your service and everything you've been doing, man. So that's awesome. awesome. Thank you, Kurt. I appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about like how you got involved in this uh, and, and, uh, and, and how you got started and so forth. Just one heck of a story. There you go. Just, so. you know, we only have about 45 or so minutes to talk. So don't, only you know. 45? <laughs> so. Those that know me might there say 45 isn't long enough. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess where to start. So I, I'm actually somewhat, I grew up somewhat locally. I actually grew up over in uh, Berks County, Pennsylvania. I was uh, uh, grew up in the area. James Carville uh, kind of uh, said at one point, Pennsylvania is like uh, it's two different makeups. It's uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia with Alabama in between, I think, was pretty the much. line. Yeah, it's pretty uh, much So true. I grew up in the Alabama portion <laughs> of the part of Pennsylvania between okay. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Um, but very early on, uh, as I was getting ready to leave high school, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do for a living, to be completely upfront. And I felt the military, I, I, oddly enough, I had some military recruiters show up at lunch one day. Um, this is uh, my senior year of high school, and, and I figured it was good enough for my father. I, I figured, what the heck? I didn't right. know what I wanted to do. Didn't want to pay off for the college students listening out there. I didn't know that I wanted to be paying off student loans for the rest of my life. Right. Um, and, and very early, I said, you know what? I think the military is a good fit. There's college money there. There's some opportunity. And, and you know what? I can learn a skill in the, at, the, at the same time. Uh, so left for basic training a month after graduating from high school. And a couple of years in, I realized, you know what? 
this is actually I'm, I'm digging this. I could actually right. do this. And, and very quickly, <laughs> I'm glad four, to hear that. Yeah, very quickly, a four year enlistment turned into 10 years. Right. Um, just I, I dare I say I was actually having a little fun. Right. Uh, I was a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division. I had been to South Korea by that point. I had been on a, a bunch of uh, little deployments here and there. Uh, mainly to Central and the Carib- Central America and the Caribbean, which was really I, rough. I, I got to say, say. That, I, yeah, that was, <laughs> that's why you like the military so much. Right? <laughs> <laughs> early, early <laughs> on, the deployments were really they didn't good. Send you in Antarctica right away, apparently, uh, no, right? No, <laughs> that's um, good. <laughs> but but yeah, the, t- the first ten years kind of flew by. Good. Um, and at right about the ten year mark, it's like, well, heck, I'm halfway through. Might as well keep going because at twenty right. years, I got to, I get a, I get a pension. Right. True. Um, and at the time, I was twenty seven, twenty eight. Mm. Right. Right. And you know, you you're you're that age, and you're like, man, I'm ten years away from getting a pretty consistent pension for the rest of right. my life. Why not? Right. 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 Um, right. So not long after that, I'd said, if I'm going to keep continue doing this, I might as well figure out a way to. Make an impact. Uh, mm-hmm. So I made the decision to become a warrant officer. Uh, still in the uh, so I was I was a cook my first uh, twelve years in the military, and I had the option to become a, a, a warrant officer, which is a technical expert in a specific field. In this case, I was a technical expert in food service, and what that really meant was I was expected to be a subject matter expert on everything food service related, from procurement right. to consumption. And that's a, 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 even though it's it's a it's a rough thing in the just like the re- regular world. Here, here you got to like move it too. I mean, well, yeah. you, you got to know, like, you know, you, people want to get fed when they're fighting. I'm assuming, and, and yeah, and <laughs> move kind of it, important. move it in some of the most interesting <laughs> and ways. austere yeah t- terrain. I mean, yeah. let's use Afghanistan for an, for example. I actually spent my second deployment in Afghanistan in 2012. Uh, I actually supervised the distribution of. Ooh, to 90 different locations uh, throughout Afghanistan. Uh, and most of them were ranged in size from about 10 or 15 all the way up to a couple of hundred. Uh, mm-hmm. I was part of the uh, United States Army Special Operations Command. Uh, we were part of a joint headquarters in Afghanistan. And, and and I have to say that was one of the most eye-opening experiences and most educational experiences in my Army career, just having to figure out a way to deliver food to that many people that so it was our our task force was about 5000 people right uh, and delivering food to that many people across and essentially all of Afghanistan and I, I can't remember correctly but I think Afghanistan is essentially the size of Texas it's pretty big it's a pretty big and it's country pretty, and it's pretty rugged from what yeah. I understand I've never been there personally but yeah. I've just like read and you know seen movies and all that kind of stuff so I'm so what are some things, I mean, I just knew it was challenging, but so what are some things you learned from that experience of like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, there's no like, you know, they don't order takeout, right? You got, it's no, you know, Uber Eats or anything yeah. like that available. So what are some things you learned from a logistics standpoint? Like, how do you get this done? Because you have to do it, you have to get it there, you have to get it there on time, you have to get the right amount. I mean, there's a lot more to this yep. than like, what I, you know, what I'm thinking, right? you can't just stop in Costco if you're in the That's war zone, right? very true. I, I would say the biggest thing I learned from that experience was relationships. Okay. As crazy as that sounds in a country like Afghanistan where everybody, all of the, the people that you support are wearing the same uniform as you, right. the biggest thing I learned was the relationships because, yes, I'm a subject matter expert, but getting someone on the other side of the country to understand that I'm a subject matter expert and I'm here to help uh, is not necessarily always easy. <laughs> 
No. Um, and, and it's kind of funny because I've taken a lot of what I learned, especially in the last half of my military career, and transferred it to what I do now and what I've done over the last three years or so. And you bring up a lot of points. For one, you're you're in. Uh, there's a lot of duress out there. Oh yeah. And you can't like say, well, if you give if you get this food product to my men out there in the field or women, uh, I'm going to give you a bonus at the end of the year. I'm going to compensate you or whatever. I mean, you you nope. you've got the you you've got a challenge, so to speak, because one, it's a tough situation, and two, the tools in your toolbox are pretty limited on how to motivate that person. Yep. So you want to give us some ideas of, well, how do you motivate me? I'm on the other side of the mountain, and you want me to do something for you that I'm like, eh, I'm not so sure, Jeremy. Maybe I don't know what you're talking about, man. It's, a, it's about buy-in. <laughs> it's really, it's okay. understanding and getting them to commit to understanding that they have a, a problem or an issue, so to speak, speak. and then on top of that, getting them to understand that the issue that you're trying to fix, uh, that the solution you're trying to give them fixes their issue. There uh, you go. To a degree that helps them in a way that's not, that's maximizing their available time to do what it is they need to do, especially in the military where you're going out and you're essentially fighting for your country in a right. foreign country. Right. It, how I'm going to eat shouldn't be a concern if you're, if that's your basic fundamental day-to-day -day responsibility. Right, right. Well, that's just awesome. So, all right, so you, you've had some challenging experiences, and so now you're a subject matter expert, you're a warrant officer. So what did you do now with that expertise? You went to Afghanistan, right? So, yep. And you learned some things about, I think a lot of, I think life comes down to relationships just, just yep. like... It's amazing how this always comes back down to relationships, right? I mean, we can live in an electronic world or we can live in this world we think is data-driven, but it's really come back down to who are the people on each side of all this stuff and how do we get along and how do we interact as individuals? And I believe that's something that all of us should learn, especially younger generations where we tend to be disconnected because electronics tends to like be the way that we like to connect, right? People texting in front of each other and they're not actually looking at each other, that kind of thing. 100%. Um, but it all comes down to really building basic, solid one-on-one -on -one, look me in the eye tell me how you feel and why i should be doing what i'm doing and, and help me care about what's going on here and we're going to help each other out and everybody's going to grow through that process right exactly um and no other place is more important than when you're in, a, in the military in a war zone and you're trying to help people do that's what they need to do which is a difficult job and yep. people die so get, yep. people get injured if we don't do this correctly the best way we can um, so you went, you, you handled that when I think you said like 90 different locations in Afghanistan. I mean, it's just, I can't even, that's thinking that's a lot of places, man. Oh. So, and you got the food there, yep. right? Um, thankfully, thankfully in a lot of different ways. There was a lot. Yeah. So any, any little quick stories you want to tell us about some challenges you had while you were doing that? Yeah. So one of the biggest, one of the biggest ways we distributed food in, in country was under a parachute, uh, and, and share the quick story that you asked for is. I learned very quickly that we were killing ourselves from a uh, an equipment and standpoint. We were constantly throwing food out of airplanes when we oh. had other resources available to us. Um, so I, I think when I got there, I think over 50% of every parachute that went out of a plane in my organization had food or water in it. Okay. Uh, and I very quickly understood that that was very resource intensive. Right. Yeah, uh, so one of the things I did was try extremely hard to bring in other stakeholders to maximize and utilize other avenues to deliver that. And I said 50, I, I said, so one, or I'm sorry, five in every 10 parachutes had food or water in it. When I left Afghanistan six months later, 
I had dropped that to four in 10. So oh, wow. out of, when I first got there, 50% of all parachutes had food in it. When I left, 40%. So I managed to essentially create more space under parachutes for bullets and fuel right. and things like that that weren't necessarily, that didn't need to be taken up by water or food. That's just awesome, man. So efficiency is in your blood, it sounds like. exactly what the focus was, was efficiency. That's just awesome, man. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to Master Your Finances. We will be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I am here with Jeremy Deck. And we're talking about veterans and how important they are to everything we do here. Because without our veterans helping us out, we wouldn't be here. Who knows what, what language we'd be speaking right now? This is true. Who, who this the is heck true. knows, right? Uh, very thankful to the veterans, Jeremy, and I appreciate everything you've done. So when we left off, we were—I didn't know that it's about you were doing the logistic thing in Afghanistan, which had to be an extremely amazing experience, just from an education standpoint. It's problem solving, creating more efficient means to do things, get the food there um, using fewer parachutes, which is interesting. So then you could deliver more you know, uh, other ammo and type things that are actually necessary in the front lines would much be more appropriate to drop, to do a parachute drop type thing as opposed to maybe taking it in, uh, by other means. So uh, so after that, so what did you do after Afghanistan? I know you've got more things in your story here. So what happened after Afghanistan in your career there? Yeah, so I left Afghanistan and, and fast forward uh, about a year or two, and I decided I wanted to <laughs> revisit something I decided not to go into when I left high school. I decided to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and the military offers some really awesome benefits to go to college while you're serving. And I decided to take advantage of a program that essentially allowed me to unplug from the Army for a year and a half uh, and actually become a full-time college student. Um, it was a, essentially a, a way to broaden myself, right. uh, a way to give back to the military because there was obviously commitment on the back end. Uh, and, and I became a full-time college student um, for about a year and a half. Uh, I I can certainly relate to some of the listeners out there. Uh, I went from not having a degree Mm -hmm. to having a degree in a year and a half. So I condensed, uh, now I I did roll in about 20 or so credit hours, but. So what were you studying when you went to, what was your interest, area of interest? uh, So I'm a business major. Uh, I I have a degree in business administration from a very small school in Eastern North Carolina, uh, an amazing school, I have to say. Uh, called the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- one of the things that I picked up uh, on top of the extremely busy class schedule, um, I think I actually took 20 credit hours three semesters in a row and then wow. also took summer classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I learned uh, a lot in terms of being able to give back and use, I'll use data as a good example about that, or of my experience. As a business major, I I, I really got into statistics and as corny as it sounds and as frankly nerdy as it comes across, I I actually learned a lot about Excel and spreadsheets and using data to drive decision-making. And and that's one of the, the big takeaways I had from pursuing higher education. Uh, and frankly, one of the reasons why I'm glad I waited so long to go to college 
was because I had that those life experiences, right. and and I I understand there's a certain degree of growth that happens in college, uh, and and frankly. I'm with a class load of 20 semester hours for three consecutive full-time semesters. That's not something I could have done as an 18-year-old fresh right. out of high school. Um, I, I needed the opportunity to focus. And, and frankly, I was under the gun. The Army only gave me a year and a half okay. to do the schooling that I needed. Um, but I got it done. Uh, and I was also uh, an honor student. So I actually oh, took wow. part in the university honors program also. And consequently enough... I actually did a senior, uh, an honors thesis in legalization of marijuana. Wow. Uh, so now, at the now time, now it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Back then it wasn't happening. Yep. So <laughs> I, I actually finished my undergrad in uh, December of 2015, uh, okay. right as legalization was starting to kind of happen across the country. So did you predict that would happen? Uh, well, at that point, there was already some momentum, okay. and okay. Colorado had begun to prove that there was, if anything else, a lot of tax revenue to be gained right. from legalization efforts. That gets governments interested. It sure does. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, you got done with your degree in a year and a half, which is pretty amazing, frankly. Um, so then what, 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 where did your career go from there? It's from the military. I actually moved to South Carolina okay. uh, and, and actually uh, spent the next year or so uh, at a, a little place called Fort Jackson. Uh, it's oh, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. one of the uh, bigger basic training bases in it. the U.S. Army. <laughs> um, 6, 000, six to 10,000 students uh, at any one time, depending on what time of the year. Mm -hmm. um, had uh, some regional oversight for a couple of different bases and the food service operation at each. Um, and then I also decided while I was going back to be a full-time soldier, uh, I also decided to come to move forward with my education pursuits okay. and also became a graduate student at the University of South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. Oh, OK. OK. So in, in, in addition to being a soldier, I was also still a full time college student um, doing a lot of night classes and a lot of weekend classes. OK. Was this all business as well? All business. Okay. Yeah, so I finished my MBA finally in 2019. OK. All right. All right, so this is this is where things get interesting, I think, right? Yep. I mean, that's this is where things interesting start to already. get a little fun. You, I, yeah, I mean, we, we've had we've, we've had, had a little bit of this conversation before. already. So 2019, and he's like, "All right, things are cooking yeah. now, man." All right, no pun intended, but the cooking coming. They're definitely cooking. So, where, what was your shift then? Which I think was pretty cool. Yeah, so it, it, it's weird. So I was I was in my office, and and I got a backtrack. So I actually managed to finish my degree in 2019 when I was already working at West right. Point. Right, right. Uh, so it, in I think it was September of 2017, my boss calls me on the phone and he says, hey, I have a problem at West Point. I need you to go fix it. Right. And that was all he told me. And he, uh, I, I got on a plane <laughs> about a, two weeks later, I think, not completely understanding what right. I was getting into. Um, and I ended up taking over the, oper the food service um, operation at West Point for the next three years until I retired back in 2020. Yeah, cadets like to eat. I don't they know. They do. That. And in fact, if you if you get a chance to YouTube the U.S. Military Academy at West Point Cadet Mess Hall, you would be amazed at some of the time-lapse videos and the way wow. the, the academy feeds cadets. Okay. Um, my first three weeks of being there and learning the operation, I felt like I was drinking from a fire hose. Right. I had never... in. I had been in military food service at that point 21 years, and I'd never seen anything like what I had at West Point. 
So what did you, what were your first things that you thought were a little different about what you've been used to? Uh, so West Point's big claim to fame and what they do and the way they so if you don't know they actually feed the entire student body uh, at lunch in one sitting in twenty minutes. I did not know that. That's that, that, that's what you got to check out the YouTube. Our school video. didn't it's do it. I mean, impressive. I went to an academy too, and our school yeah. did not do that. Well, you guys were a little smaller. If yeah, I were about a fourth, about a fourth the size. Yeah. Um, yeah, our whole school is one of your graduating classes. Yep, that's true. Uh, so one of the, the the biggest things that I learned was serving family style food. So it's essentially okay. like going to a banquet. Okay. Uh, five days a week. Uh, throughout the course of this, the, the calendar year. Right, right. Uh, or the academic year, I guess I should say. Okay. Uh, and that was learning how we did that uh, and then trying to figure out ways to be, frankly, be as efficient as possible while doing that was the biggest challenge. And, and there was a, a lot of other issues going on. We talk about toxic work environments. The, the leadership at the time was right. a, a little bit of an issue. I, I My biggest... The biggest thing I needed to do was restore trust in what we were doing as an organization and then to get buy-in from the cadets that what we were right. doing was going to be the way to fix it and to improve their dining experience, if you will. Yeah, I'm sure you shouldn't be like an attorney because you seem to be a great arbitrator here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I noticed the leadership issue. There's two things. I mean, I'm seeing this. I mean, I, I remember we changed our food services at least twice while I was there. And it was like it started off great, and then it got worse because ours was contracted out, right? So ours, was, I think ours is a little different situation than yours. But if you have if you have a leadership that's like not doing a great job now that now the cadets are like, oh, what the heck's going on here, right? So how did you start off like building back that trust? I mean, once you break down an organization like that, it's it's a lot harder to put that back in place, I think. So it, it, so what are some of the things? You, what are some of the steps you took to help bring that back? Well, so it, it, you almost have to be a chief marketing officer, a, a chief executive officer, okay. a, a CFO. You have to be all of those things. And, and one of the things that I, I immediately start to started to understand when I got there was, as weird as this sounds, people were getting hurt almost on purpose just to that's not good. just to get out of work. Okay. Um, and one of the things that I started to understand was changing the culture in the organization was the first thing I needed to do. Getting people to understand that the leadership was listening to you, getting to understand and get it essentially become approachable that if I have an issue and I'm an employee of the food service organization, that I'm going to come to my leadership and expect that they're actually going to do something about it and not just blow me off. And that was the big, that was the biggest change was, being approachable, being somebody that could listen and that could enact change. Yeah, no, that that is really key. So you literally just said, "Hey, look, come tell me what's going on here." I mean, I'm I'm paraphrasing, I'm yep. sure. And the, the the difference I think would happen is is people are like, ah, "I'm going to tell him, but he's not going to do anything." Right? I mean, this has been going on for blah 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 so long and they're going to be like almost like, "I don't believe you." But then you have to show. So what are some of the things you did initially that said Hey, I think this guy is for real, and he's actually going to help us out. What were some of the gripes you heard? I mean, don't, without getting any more specific than you can, but I mean, and then then how did you respond to some of the concerns that were obviously telling people, "Hey, I'd rather injure myself than go to work today." I mean, well, that's pretty of, bad. Yeah, one of the first things we did was actually recognition. Uh, so I uh, okay. one of the I think the first month I was there, we actually decided to get the entire staff together and just give them a certificate that said, "Hey, you know what? We appreciate what you do," uh, and th- and that extended. Through my time there, we, we also, anytime someone performed really well or did something that was 
going above and beyond, we made sure we called that person out and gave them some type of award or recognition for what they did. And it seemed to me, and, and this was clearly an outsider's perspective when I took over, that that just wasn't happening. I had employees tell me that wasn't happening um, or wasn't happening with any regularity. So that was one of the big things that we initially used to get buy-in and to help change the culture um, to make sure we were approachable. And that's amazing. That didn't that didn't cost you very much other than nope. a paper and a printer, that's right? Exactly Basically, right. That's just amazing and, and saying a few nice words. So you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money to make employees happy. Um, we're going to take a, another quick break. You're listening to Master Your Finances. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm here with Jeremy Deck, and we're talking about right now we're at West Point. Yep. And, ba- you know, really just be nice to your employees and recognize them and listen to them. I mean, it just sounds so simple and so basic, but you have to actually do it, right? It's true. And um, and when you do these things, I think the the rewards are significant that way. Any little bit of effort you have to put in, hey, look, somebody does a good job. Just, hey, look, they just want to be, people want to be appreciated. Again, this is relationship. You talked about that earlier. Relationships are key. And recognizing people and, and letting them know that you appreciate what they're doing and what they've done. I know that just in general, the veterans, I know that this almost feels like automatic. You say, thank you for your service. and like that. But if you really, really mean it, that actually means a lot to that person yeah. because they know what they went through and they know what they've dealt with. And and I can see that on that. I mean, if you really mean it, they will. you can see that like, wow, I'm really glad you know you recognize it you understand what I've been through and, and yep. what got me to the point that I'm at now. And, yep. and, and employment is the same type of situation. People probably are working much harder than you think they are uh, doing things you're not seeing. And if you just recognize, Hey, look, I noticed that you're doing a great job and you give them a certificate and recognize them in front of their peers, yep. then that, then that's huge. Then, then other people are like, Oh, that's really cool. So, you did all this, and now what happened after that? So I'm assuming things changed a little bit. Yeah, we started to turn the ship around uh, to yeah. borrow a, a, a pretty famous leadership book. Uh, that's, that's actually the title. You can't, if you you can't go to the Merchant Marine, dude. All right, yeah, you got to on the Army side. You can't, you, that, that's not fair. You can't do that. Well, I, I actually had a mentor actually use that book <laughs> okay. um, pretty regularly, okay. so shameless right. plug. That's fine. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, so things started to turn around. We actually started, and one of the, one of the big takeaways I had from my at that point my uh, pursuit of higher education was the ability to understand data. And data analytics was huge for me. And um, potentially, we, we we essentially developed a marketing campaign. How do I get cadets and the student body to interact with us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we use social media. Uh, essentially social media engagement to drive some decision-making, what we were putting on the menu, how often we were putting it on the menu, when we were taking it off the menu. To a degree, we even used data to understand what products we would add and take away from the catalog. So if we had a specific product, say eggs, that was Mm -hmm. not necessarily palatable, or enjoyable, we actually took it off of the catalog and found a replacement. Okay. That the cadets themselves would actually do a tasting of, um, do some number crunching, or we would do some number crunching on the back end to figure out how the cadets rated it before we would add it as an option. 
That that's just amazing. I never would have thought that you would gone to that extent because I mean, you, do you care? I mean, I, I don't know. I've been in the military, so like sometimes you feel like they don't care about like what you're eating or what you're doing. It's like ah, you get what you get. Enjoy. Well, and one of the but, other but this is yeah. this is this is different. I'm I'm just complimenting you. That's awesome. I appreciate that. One of the other approaches we did too, from a data perspective, is we also got cadets involved. Right. Um. So uh, obviously, West Point was an institution of higher learning in addition yeah. to be being a leadership training school right. for the United States Army. We actually went out to, and one of their big claims to fame is engineering. Yep. Uh, and I actually went out to the engineering department and actually had classes do uh, time motion studies of the way we process cadets through the serving area, how fast they got their food, right. what products they gravitate through. Uh, how to make the serving process as efficient, efficient as a possible. Uh, and then one of the other things we did was we actually took a look at minimizing waste. So we would right. reach out to the student body and have them do case studies on our operation uh, as a way to build involvement and awareness across the student body. Yeah, I was, I mean, you may have just answered that question, but I've been thinking about this. Everything you're doing, it sounds like it's going to optimize for the cadet's experience. But how did it look as far as the balance sheet at the end of the day? So did you see any of um, that? How did your cost structure change? Did it change at all? Go up, down, same? What happened? Now, I, mean, I know the cadets were probably, I'm going to guess the cadets were happier with what was being delivered. What about the accountant in the back room looking at the books? What are they thinking? Well, so it's funny. So the, the, the unique part about the academy is the way our operation was funded. So each cadet actually donates support. And... Make sure I put it out there. West Point is not the typical university. Right. A cadet is uh, doesn't necessarily pay tuition in the same way a conventional college student okay. would. Um, but every cadet actually donates a portion of money um, back to us to prepare and okay. procure their food. Uh, and one of the biggest things we did as the menu started to improve, we actually got added justification for improving and making changes to the products and getting more, um, more I, I say expensive products, but a wider range of products, a little bit higher quality. Um, so when I got there, we had roughly $18 million a year to procure food for the cadets. Right. And when I left, we were at 24. So we is this, could actually is this, put together. Is, just to make sure I'm clear. Now yep. the cadets, um, like let's say I have, do I have like a, an allowance, food allowance, or is it just part of my compensation? It do, is. Do I get to decide how much? Because in our school it was slightly different. I do remember that with doing ours was ever just everything just paid for everything, and we didn't really have any say in it. We, pretty much how it works at West Point also. Oh, okay. In, because, this, in a similar way. Oh, okay, I but say. I didn't like actually say, hey, I'm gonna, I want to buy that, you know, egg you know, platter or whatever it is, right? Correct. I mean, how did, so how did you get to that? How did that number go up, like, on the internal side? Uh, it was justifying the expense okay. um, through our the accountants, it, right. as you called them. And it's, a, it's a team of accountants. I'm sure, do. I'm sure. Um, but it's essentially justifying to them and to the student body itself. Okay. Uh, so there was some buy-in from the student body gotcha. also to improve the offering, uh, offer more choice. I mean, and the, the justification to that, was offering more products, offering right. uh, food uh, at times when a cadet couldn't make it to a specific meal to eat. We actually opened a, uh, call it a to-go area, where you could swing by and grab something on your way uh, if you, for some reason, missed a meal. And that option was available in between breakfast and lunch and then lunch and dinner. And I do recall um, when my daughter was getting ready to go to school, it seemed like when you went to look at colleges, 
they always took you to their cafeteria and they always wanted to show you what the food I felt like it was almost like they wanted to show you more about the food than about the academics it felt, it was felt like I, I go because apparently we found out that is a big part of the decision making process for many people like how are my kids going to get fed and are they going to be happy with whatever food system you have right so was that is this almost like part of the competitive uh, part of like the academy? Because a lot of these people that go to the academy, they're highly. I mean, obviously they're they're highly educated, and they can go pretty much any school they want. If they get into one of the academies, they pretty much can decide where they want to go to school for the most part. Is this is this one of these ways for they say, hey, look, come on in, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like we you to come here. <laughs> yep. So there there was a lot of opportunity in the summer for potential applicants to take a look at the academy right. and, and judge. And I I don't have a, a real intimate knowledge of how they would recruit, but I do understand that there was a, a summer program where they would bring prospective applicants in. Right. I think I want to say it was called the Summer Leader Experience. I'm not sure if I'm okay. getting that acronym right. Okay, but, I got you. Um, it was essentially an opportunity to bring right. in prospect, prospective students okay. um, to take a look at the academy, and, and we would essentially give them lunch every day they were okay. there. Uh, it was a really awesome opportunity. In fact, I know uh, some cadets that are some student now students uh, that actually applied at some point over the last couple of years. Okay, so now you're at the West Point. You turn around their whole uh, eating experience. Uh, you know the the cafeteria, the mess hall, whatever we want to call it here, uh, whether we're civilian or military. So, um, so now you've done that. So where did things head from there? I know you're. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so like, all good things must come to an end. Right. Uh, and <laughs> going into 2019, I realized that uh, it was in a very good place uh, professionally. Right. Uh, I, I had joined the military for a specific reason to go to college to get those life experiences and i started to realize that i wanted to have a second career after the military um so i started to entertain potentially retiring from the service uh and looking to civilian employment um and, and a lot of there was a lot of build up to that the, the military tries to arm you when you leave service mm -hmm. uh, with the skills necessary with the knowledge to reach out to prospective employers, interview techniques, networking opportunities, resume writing. They, they put you through a, a, a set of courses that help prepare you for entering the workforce. And one of the biggest challenges I had leaving was understanding how what I did in the military transferred right. into the essentially corporate America. Um, I, knew I, was, I knew I spent my first 12 years or so as a cook I knew I was essentially a policy expert in terms of food service operations and, and multi-unit dining in the military. But getting but getting me to understand that while I'm still wearing a suit and right. before I'd actually had this training, I, I wouldn't have known. I, it was just, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and, and really trying to take what I was doing and quantify that for someone that has no idea of military jargon. And I think that's a big thing. I think you're touching on it right now is I think one of the things that employers don't seem to understand is just how much training that military people have. And even though, you know, maybe they learn how to, I don't know, maybe they drive a tank or something. I mean, like, oh, I don't need anybody driving a tank in my office. I mean, I need somebody that knows how to like do Excel or something. Right. So I, can you walk through like why military people tend to be very good material to train, to do pretty much anything you can think of? Um, and I, I think the the, the corporate world, I think, is missing the boat on this. There's a lot of talent there, 
that they don't seem to be tapping into that they should be. Can well, I would speak say to that a little bit. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I noticed uh, through interviews and networking opportunities I had was our net veterans, frankly, ability to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's it, it's pretty open ended. What does it mean when you say adapt? Well, it's it's really trying to step back, take a look around, and understanding the operation understanding kind of like what I did when I got to West Point it's really understanding the bits and pieces and what I did at West Point there was a lot of things I did at West Point and one of the biggest opportunities I had in that assignment specific was understanding HR understanding how the employee the employee the employees benefits uh, what makes what motivates them to do their job understanding the discipline disciplinary system within the or the the military organization. Uh, and oh, by the way, I didn't mention that I was the only guy wearing an actual uniform at West Point um, in the food service operation. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. All of the, the, the worker, the food service employees at the cadet mess hall were civilians. So civil servants, right? Civil servants. Yeah, I got you. Uh, okay. I, had one, I had one military yeah. uh, NCO that worked okay. with me, but we had 80 civilian employees. Wow. And it's not like I can just go in and boss around civilian employees. No. And I think that's... That's a common misconception in the military that you, all you do is tell people what to do and they do it. Right. It's still a choice. Right. There's, now obviously I have tools that maybe a civilian employer in corporate America doesn't have. Right. But at the same time, it's still a choice. If I tell right. somebody to do something, they have the option to say no. Right. And Absolutely. It's, and, and I have, other than the disciplinary action that can potentially follow, I have no other recourse than trying to figure out a way to motivate them, to get them to do what it is that needs to be done without having to go the disciplinary route. So that's a very last resort and an option you certainly don't want to go down unless you absolutely have no other choice. Uh, Good, good point. Uh, We're going to take another quick break. You're listening to Master Your Finances. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm here with Jeremy Deck. And uh, if you want good food, go to West Point because Jeremy definitely set up a good system there. <laughs> You're going to eat like a king or a queen, right? So so thank you for that. Thanks for really helping the cadets out because I know they definitely appreciate it. I remember when I was going to school, it's like, oh, my gosh, thank goodness there's something yeah. good to eat. But um, so, all right, so to walk us through, like, what happened now, you, you the prep thing, and I think this is really, really important, is that military people have a lot of skills and a lot of training that helps them learn almost anything. You said adaptability, which I think is really important. And I think, like most of us, I mean, when you come to get a job, how many people walk into that job having the skill set for that specific job? Everybody goes through some type of training. There's there's some type of period of training. The question is really, are you going to learn what I want you to learn, or even the company? In fact, I know in different industries I've been in, it's like, I don't want to hire anybody in my industry because they're going to have bad habits coming in. I'd rather hire anybody that doesn't know anything about what I do because when I hire them and I bring them and train them, they're going to listen to me and they're going to do it the way we do it because we found that that works best for us. right? So in some ways, that's actually even another positive on top of it because you're going to come in and listen. Okay, this is the way our company does it. So now you're, now you're going through all this process. 
So what happens now? You had some opportunities afterwards, right? Because you were doing a great job at West Point. Yeah, which actually we just moved connected with, uh, uh, fast forward to summer of 2019, I actually met the uh, president and CEO of Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield right. on a tour of West Point. Relationships. Relationships. There you That's go. That's 100%. Yep. And, and I realized very quickly that I needed a mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he served as that mentor for me. He had actually had some previous experience in the uh, the British military. Uh, in fact, if I remember correctly, he was a merchant marine to... Uh, I, I think I recall you be, saying, had, yeah, yeah. it has to be awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, had a great experience uh, with him serving as a mentor uh, and realized very quickly that the mentorship had potentially blossomed into something greater. Uh, realized there was a potential job opportunity there. Right. Um, and that's how I got into, in, 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 in such a weird way, I went from food service to health insurance. Right. Okay. Um, and and I, I actually got into the health insurance industry leaving West Point. I knew I didn't, I, I knew food service was going to be an option for me, but I, I had gotten to the end of my military career and I realized, you know something, I want to do something different. I had been right. to school, I had gotten my MBA, and I really wanted to uh, figure out how to put my best foot forward in corporate America. And I figured what better place than New York City. Yeah, that's definitely um, a lot of business going on there. And yep. they love Excel in New York City. Let yep, me tell you, yeah, they love yep. spreadsheets, man. Yep. Not just spreadsheets, <laughs> but a whole bunch of other stuff, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually started working in the health insurance industry space. And I felt like I, at the time I wanted to I wanted to change health insurance. I wanted to make an impact. Good for you, man. Yeah. Let's do it. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to change health insurance. Um, and I... I I had an incredible experience. The team I worked with was absolutely out of this world. Uh, really enjoyed being able to give back. And and frankly, I, at the time, I was also giving back to a bunch of military um, opportunities and not-for-profits. And, and one of the biggest, we were talking about um, opportunities to, to help veterans early on. And I would say one of the, in fact, this is actually how I met the, my mentor at the time was through a... Um, a program called, or a not-for-profit called American Corporate Partners. They are a large national not-for-profit that actually pairs industry corporate America mentors with separating service members and their spouses. Uh, it's a, an incredible program. Uh, if you want to volunteer as an individual, there's literally no commitment other than your time. That's no, amazing. No monetary commitment. All you have to do is reach out to uh, someone at the company and, or the organization and fill out an intake uh, and they will pair you. They'll assign you with essentially a relationship manager uh, who will take a look at your qualifications and figure out who aligns best. Uh, in fact, I'm now on my fourth, uh, I like to give back, uh, I'm actually now on my fourth mentorship arrangement. Uh, in fact, I'm connected with uh, uh, a site director for Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University down in uh, Jacksonville area, Florida. North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Oh, North Carolina, North near Carolina. Camp Lejeune. Never, okay. So uh, her, in fact, she's a spouse of a Marine, um, okay. a Marine Corps. Okay, cool. Um, or a Marine, I say Marine Corps. But, um, and this is my fourth mentorship arrangement. Uh, I've had three others. Uh, the, the arrangement lasts for a full year. Um, and, and you essentially give up an hour of your time. They ask for an hour monthly. Right. Uh, and then you can do more if you like. And then continue the relationship uh, beyond the year if you like. But the, the, the program itself really just has is, is for one year. 
that, and that's then just you amazing. Fall, yeah. Well, I think it's amazing. Again, you get back to relationships, which I think is cool. And I think another thing, and I, you can speak to this a little bit, but I mean, when you help others, you tend to learn a lot from their experiences, right? Yep. I mean, I think that's a key part of it too. It's it's a two way street. I mean, you're obviously helping them with it, with whatever transition they're going through, but I think you get a lot back from those people that you're helping as well. So it's it's really um, that's why I think as a country we tend to be very generous with helping others because I think there's a there's a whole um, you know other side of that that sometimes people don't really pay attention to, but yep. it's it's really there and it's awesome. Um, so okay, so you're 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 doing all that and i want you to talk a little bit more about now you've been you're being mentored right yep you're mentoring other people so tell me uh like where you went from there well so i i had actually gotten um progressed through the company i i love in i think uh november of 2021 i actually became an account manager with the company uh, i had actually worked with uh uh, current clients as a way to work through issues uh, with their health insurance coverage. Uh, and this is all employer-based health insurance uh, right. programs. Um, and I very quickly started to realize and understand that I wanted to be, I wanted to do, I guess, I say something different. I right. wanted to be more consultative. I wanted to work directly with with employers, essentially, to find ways to... Okay improve their benefits offering. So I, I told you when I was at West Point, I had a, I, I had done a lot of HR work. When you have that many employees, 90% of my time at West Point was with employees working on HR related issues. And I felt what better fit than an HR and benefits company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in uh, November of last year, in fact, uh, at this point, almost four months ago, I made the decision to move to uh, USI Insurance Services uh, which is essentially a, a large HR and benefits brokerage. Um, we compete with some of the biggest names in the industry. Right, because that kind of fits right in with your experience, right? Which is interesting, right? So who would have thought like a warrant officer from the military would be now handling HR benefits because you have all that experience from all those people that you were dealing with throughout that, that time frame. Right? Yep. So you do have a lot of like relatable experience, which is awesome. So. Um, so what is what it's what's headed forward for you now at this point? Uh, you're you're getting ramped up in this whole thing, right? So this has got to be an interesting career change for you again. It is, and and one but one of the big things that I take away from my new employer is our unique approach to servicing mm-hmm. clients. Okay. Um, and one of the big one of the most unique features of the company I work for now is data. Uh, going back to and revisiting some of our previous parts of the conversation, is. USI utilizes data in a very unique way relative to the rest of the industry. And I'll use one example. We actually have uh, a benchmarking survey that we uh, allow employers to take part in. And really it allows those employers to measure the effectiveness of their benefits uh, across competitors nationally. So we actually, uh, a company inputs their uh, contribution percentages, their individual benefits uh, into our system, and then we actually look across the entire, uh, essentially our entire book of business, and understand based on industry, geographic location, and uh, employer size, and really find the best fit that companies like you are doing. Okay. Uh, and we essentially benchmark each one of those companies against the greater pool within an industry. So that would probably make your uh 
the the capital you're rolling out as far as the benefits goes more efficient correct because right? now you're spending 100%. more on the spending more on the areas that are actually something the employees want and less on the areas that maybe they're not paying as much of attention to it 100 so are they seeing any like trends out there now with like how employee what things are what employees are kind of looking for that maybe an employer hadn't really thought about as much it's maybe coming to the forefront a little bit now yeah so one of the big drivers right now is is wellness um right. And, and pharmacy benefits are huge. In fact, most large companies uh, spend upwards of 30% just on their pharmacy benefit alone. Um, and, and that's there's a lot of opportunity for savings, especially the bigger the company, the more you can save. In fact, I know of a couple of companies locally that spend $2 million or more just in pharmacy benefits for their wow. employees, which is huge. Yeah, that's that's that is huge. It's a big course. number, um, <laughs> absolutely. But that's that's incredibly important, and and benefits are, are extremely unique because it's not for a lot of people. There's there's a certain level of passion for you, for you, what you do for the company, but on the flip side of that, you don't necessarily. As long as your benefits are working, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily completely think about them. As right. long as I'm not paying too much for my benefits, it's not something I'm thinking about. What what becomes a friction point for a lot of employees is when I'm getting to a point where I'm spending seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars a year right. just to make sure I can go to the doctor. Right. Uh, and that's minimi- finding ways as an employer to offset those costs or minimize those costs to your employees is a, a, an incredibly powerful recruiting tool um, and a retention tool for that matter because let's face it a lot of employers are fighting for talent right now and one of the biggest ways to help attract talent is through benefits Uh, and one of the big I I guess call it resources that's out there is um, fertility benefits I I actually worked a a good portion of time in New York and worked for a New York-based um, insurance provider and fertility benefits were, were huge. Um, not just for, um, heterosexual spouses, but, um, uh, same sex spouses. That's a huge benefit. Uh, and in fact, not only as a way to grow a family, but also for actual fertility related treatments. And that's for a long time, those were optional procedures that weren't covered and the expense on the employee, uh, was was huge in case in some cases ten twenty thirty thousand dollars just to start a family and that's that's not something that it's easy to put a price on. Well, that's amazing, Jeremy. We're running out of time. You any any final thoughts before we head out for today? You just uh, did a great job. No, Thank you. I just I, I appreciate the time and and one of the things that I hope showed through in our conversation was my passion for people, right. um, and, and that's one of the things that I wanted to leave with is just I, I throughout my career and now in the civilian world. It's all about helping people. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's what I want to do. Well, you do a great job of it, Jeremy. Keep it up with the great work. You're listening to Master Your Finances. Have a wonderful day. That was this week's episode of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. to expand your knowledge in building and managing your wealth.
missed an episode, no worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Master Your Finances to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University.